Well, good morning. Sorry about the Alabama baseball cap, you Knowles and Gator and uh, Miami Hurricane fans. Um, great little clip, kind of introducing where we're going. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about this new series. Um, I, I think this series very well could be uh, very intimidating uh, to some of you. It's going to be a little awkward and confusing. Um, it's one of these series that hopefully you'll trust me and you'll come back. Um, I really can't kind of share everything I need to share in one week. It's going to be multiple weeks, and uh, please don't get so fearful and frightened that you don't come back next week, okay? And I've all scared you all to death, like, what, what, is we, what are we going to do here? Well, uh, you'll see in a minute. Now, I kind of like to begin the series by asking a couple questions. Uh, first question is this, how many of you in your lifetime have been fishing before? Can I see your hands? If you've been fishing before, I could ask who has not fished. Looks like almost all of us, we've been fishing before. Now, those that raise your hand, were you fishing or were you catching? You know, a lot of people fish. Seems like very few people catch. I, I really don't like fishing. I kind of get bored. You know, I love catching. Unless you go after the big game fish, then you kind of, you can deal with it, you know. But, uh, man, I, I like catching. Now, second question is this. How many of you love to fish? Kind of like Pastor Chris Higgins, you know, he, he doesn't catch anything, but he loves being out on that water. How many of you love to fish? Can I see your hands? Well, we got a few of you, maybe 20% of you or so, maybe 30, okay. How many of you are a fishing phenom? I mean, you kill the fish when you go fishing, you know? We got Dave Dickerson, Jimmy Erniston, anybody else? Come on, raise your hand. You're a fishing phenom, all right, very good. Got about a, maybe a half dozen or so people. Um, you know, you're the kind of guy that when you go fishing, your neighbors get excited, because they know you're bringing home some fresh tuna and you're going to share it with them. You're the kind of guy when you go fishing, your pastor gets excited because you're going to give some fish for his wife. The pastor doesn't eat fish, but his wife does. And uh, you're a fishing phenom, man. You just kill the fish. All right, now this is the last question. How many of you would, would see yourself as a fisher of men, fisher of people? A few of you, maybe a couple, 20, 20% of you or so. Raise your hand, I can see it. Okay, it's hard for me to see up here. All right, very, very good. Now, the question, those of us that are raising our hands, are you, are you fishing or are you catching? What we're going to learn over this week and the coming weeks comes from uh, Andy Stanley, uh, who I just love this guy. As a matter of fact, he's going to be here for the Global Leadership Summit coming up in a couple of weeks. And we're very fortunate to have Andy being with us this year, coming up here in August. And you need to be a part of that. You need to sign up for that. Uh, but Andy made this statement. He said, Christ followers fish if they're really following. And that's kind of the, the big idea of this series is followers fish if they're really following. Can you say that with me? Followers fish if they're really following. And I kind of like to begin this new series with a, with a remarkable fishing story where Jesus really makes his agenda real clear. It's one thing I love about Jesus. You know, he just says it as it is. He kind of lays out there his agenda right up front. And he says, if you choose to follow me, I'm going to turn you into something you are not. Now, you'd kind of expect Jesus to say that, wouldn't you? I mean, if you follow Jesus, he's going to make you a better person, make you a more godly individual, better husband, better father, better boss. You know, a, a, you'll live a better life. If you follow me, I'll do these things. You would expect Jesus to say that, but he doesn't say that in the passage we're going to be studying this morning. 
And I bet the disciples might have even been a little confused. Yet they followed him anyways. And I hope we're going to discover this morning that even though it might be a little confusing for us, it might even be a little intimidating for many of us, but I hope what we're going to discover this morning is that Jesus' agenda for his 12 disciples back then is the same agenda that Jesus has today for us, for those that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Because to follow is to fish. And if we follow Christ, we fish. All right? So that's kind of where we're going. Now, it might not be the agenda we want. <laughs> I mean, let, let, let's be honest. Maybe, you know, we pray, God, help me to be more successful. God, help me to be more disciplined. God, make me healthier, better, boss, richer, healthier. Throw in there, better looking, God. You know, just, just ask for it all, you know. And that might be our agenda. But what we're going to be looking at this morning, we're going to find that's not necessarily his agenda. If you have your Bibles or if you have an electronic device, turn with me, if you would, over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And uh, Mark is referred to as the gospel of Mark, right? It's called the second gospel, the second story of Jesus. And how many gospels are there? There's how many? You can't see my fingers. How many? Helping you out there. That's how many Gospels? There's four. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Come on, help me, help me. All right, you got the four Gospels. Four different perspectives of the life and death of Jesus written to different audiences, basically telling us the same story. Matthew, who was Levi, uh, was writing primarily to a Jewish audience, and he presents Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. He often says he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of the Jews. He's the Messiah. Luke, he wrote to the Greeks, kind of presents Jesus more as the, quote, ideal man, the son of man. John wrote more to the unbelievers, those that didn't believe and put their faith in Christ. And he presents Jesus more as God incarnate, God in human flesh, and he calls Jesus the son of God, the actual very only son of God. Now Mark, who we're looking at this morning, he wrote more to the Romans, and he presents Jesus as God's obedient servant. And Mark's really into talking about how Jesus served, and he was an obedient servant, and Romans were obedient to the, the Roman government. He picks up that concept. Now Mark is probably the easiest gospel to read. I, I'd encourage you to read it this week. It wouldn't take you more than 45 minutes to read all, all the chapters in Mark. It's an easy gospel. And now Mark himself, he wasn't one of the 12 disciples, whereas Matthew was a 12 disciple, one of the 12, and, and John was what? One of the 12 disciples. But, but Mark probably was getting a lot of his information. He was the first gospel written, and he probably getting a lot of his information from Peter. So we're getting a lot of Peter's thoughts and Peter's perception of being with Jesus. And, and uh, John, uh, Mark, probably came to faith through Peter's preaching. We read about that in 1 Peter. And then he tags along with the Apostle Paul and Acts on the first missionary journey that Paul takes. Uh, Mark comes along. In the book of Acts, he's referred to as, this is a bonus question, you're really going to get way up in heaven if you get this one right. Uh, in the book of Acts, it refers to, to Mark as who? Who went with Paul on these missionary journeys? His name was John Mark, that's right. So John Mark is the same guy as the writer of Mark that we're reading about here in the gospel. So you got that now? Everyone learned that? Okay. Maybe you'll get a little higher when you get there. All right. So 
What I'd like to do, we're going to read this, this text, and I'd like for us to stand kind of out of respect for the Bible, and I just lost my page, and I can't read my... So I'm going to read it. You follow along, okay? I'm going to read it out loud. Let's, let's follow along together. And um, um, again, the context here, Mark starts his gospel talking about John the Baptist, and then he calls his first four disciples. All right, let's begin reading with verse 16. I'll read it. You follow. Uh, Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brothers of, of Simon, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, now let's read this part together in one voice aloud. You ready? Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, uh, who were in their boat, mending the nets, and immediately he called them, same calling, follow me, I'll make you fishers, become fishers of men. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Pretty radical story. You know, they see Jesus, boom, and they leave it all, and they follow him, right? Well, before you're seated, uh, tell your neighbor this, followers fish if they're really following. Can you do that? Tell your neighbor and then have a seat. All right, you may be seated. Followers fish if they're really following. Now, the context here, and Mark starts his epistle, he, I mean his gospel, and he starts his gospel talking about John the Baptist and his crucifixion, and then he talks about Jesus calling his first disciples, his 12 apostles, and the first ones he reaches out to is a guy by the name of Peter. The second guy was who? We just read it, Andrew, and then the two brothers called what? James and John. Did you guys read that with me when I read that? Okay. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Those are the four guys. Okay, that's, that's kind of what's taking place here, all right? Now, let's put this into context. Let's back up. If you've got your Bibles, back up to verse 14, and uh, let's, let's look at verse 14. Now, after John, and which John is this? Is this John the Apostle or John the who? John the Baptist, the one he talked about at the beginning of the chapter, right? After John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee into this Galilean region. There was a Sea of Galilee. It was kind of like a fishing village. So Jesus comes into this Galilean village area, and what is he doing? What's it say in verse 14? He's what? He's proclaiming. He's declaring. He is sharing. And he's proclaiming and sharing what? The gospel of God. The good news. The good news that God loves us, and he loves us so much that he sent his very own son to die for us so that we can have life. That's the good news. And the word good news comes from the Greek word evangelion. And from the word evangelion, we get our English word evangelism. So Jesus is evangelizing. He is sharing the gospel. He is sharing the good news. And then look at verse 15. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, the time is fulfilled. The time has come. They have been waiting a long time for the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, he's here. Now, Jesus never says, I am the Messiah. He proved it. He demonstrated it. And this is about as close as he gets. He says, the time is here. The time has come. And the kingdom of God, it's at hand. It's near. Now, what do you need to do, guys? What do we need to do? What did they need to do? Jesus said they need to do two things because the time is, it's here, it's now. The kingdom is, is coming. We need to do what? What are the two things, the last part of that verse? Repent and believe in the gospel. Pretty clear, pretty simple. 
Repentance is kind of like a change in our thinking, which results in the change in the direction of our hearts and our life. We, we begin to change our thinking towards life, towards sin, towards whatever. In the Old Testament, repentance was often used to talk about how the nation of Israel would prepare themselves for, for God going to work so they would be in a, in a time of repentance to kind of change their thinking. It's a time of kind of like getting spiritually ready for God. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you, you need to repent. You need to change your thinking. You need to get spiritually ready for God. And then you need to believe. And believe means to, to put your faith in, to put your trust in, to put your faith and trust in the gospel, the good news, that God loves us. He's a loving God. And he loves us so much that he, he's provided a way for the forgiveness of our sins through the death of his son. That, that's the gospel. So we need to prepare ourselves, and then we need to believe the gospel because the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's at hand. Jesus said it's coming. And my friends, it has come. It has come. Do you see it? I mean, do you really see it? A lot of people are missing it. Because you won't see it unless you're looking for it. Now, one of my favorite pastimes you've heard me talk about a lot is I, I love walking in the preserves behind my house. Some people refer to it as a swamp. But to me, it's, it's a beautiful Florida preserve with all these beautiful pine trees and cypress and lots of wild animals. And, and I go out there often for an hour, two hours at a time, walking all through the woods out there. And my wife and my daughter usually will come or neighbors or friends or different people in the church and we'll walk through these, these woods together. And, and I'm always amazed the way they'll walk right by some baby alligators and not see them. Here's a picture I took one time. We're walking by. There were some baby alligators. There's like about five or six in that picture. But you won't see them if you're not looking for them. You'll walk right on by. Now, you guys are, are counting and counting and trying to figure out how many. Listen, don't try this at home. Okay, don't, don't try this at home. That was a six-footer, by the way. Okay, um, it's one of the little babies got my pool, and I had to release him, so, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. Don't report me to the alligator police, okay? Um, but you won't see them unless you're looking for them. And what Jesus is saying here, God, God's about to do something really great, really big, really new, and you won't see it if you're not looking for it. And then Jesus calls his disciples to join him in helping people to see it. You see, that's our job. That's our agenda. It's to help people to see it, to see that there is a God and that God loves them and he wants a relationship with him. You see, to follow Jesus means to fish. Say it with me. To follow Jesus means to fish. Followers fish if they're really following. Now, let's dig a little deeper into our text this morning. Look at uh, verse 16. It says, passing alongside the, the Sea of Galilee. We've already talked about that, this fishing village. Uh, Jesus saw who? What was this guy's name? Simon. And the word, Greek word here means kind of like shifting sand. And, and Jesus eventually changed his name from Simon to who? Peter. And the Greek word for that means rock. All right. So he's passing along. He sees this guy. His name is Simon, who later becomes Peter. And his brother, and his brother's name was who? Andrew, the brother of Simon. And I almost named my, my last son, my, my uh, second son, uh, after Andrew. He was supposed to be Philip Andrew Underwood. 
And at the last minute, we changed it to Philip James Underwood after my wife's uh, father, my father-in-law. But we won't go there. But anyways, uh, uh, and, and I love the name Andrew because uh, Andrew was always, you read about him in the Gospels, he was always was introducing and bringing different people to Jesus. And I wanted my kids to have that, you know, mindset. But anyways, um, all right, so he, he um, and they meet Philip and Andrew. And what are they doing? They're casting their what? Casting their nets into the sea. Why? For they were what? Fishermen. Okay, hopefully you're figuring this out. It's pretty easy, all right? They were fishing because they're fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you more spiritual. Follow me and you know what? I'm going to make you a better person. I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to make you godly. No, Jesus says, listen, if you choose to follow me, I'm going to make you become something you're not. I'm going to make you become a fisher of men. Now, I think, and this could be a little bit of conjecture on my part, that Peter and Andrew, they, they might have been very well, very confused at first. I mean, what do you mean, Jesus? You want me to be fishers of men? Are we going to flay humans, you know, put them on ice, sell them for $15 a pound, you know? I mean, I mean what, what, what do you mean, fisher of men? Or, or maybe they're thinking, you know what? We're going to catch and we're going to flay some Romans. Because the Jewish people, they were looking for a political messiah, a political leader, and they might have got excited. Yeah, we're going to fish. We're going to kill some Romans. We're going to set up God's kingdom right now here on the earth. But that's not what Jesus was saying, was it? Jesus was saying that followers fish if they're really following. To follow Jesus, it means to fish. Followers fish. That's just what they do. And a few chapters later, and we're going to see it next week as we begin to Acts, but a, a few chapters later, we find that's what they're doing. Peter and Andrew, they're fishing for men. They're taking the simple message of Jesus. They see Jesus sharing the simple message of the gospel. And now we find them sharing that simple message with other people, with men and women. They were fishing for men. And throughout the Gospels, you read the four Gospels, the stories. It's stories about men and women. We read about this prostitute by the name of Mary. We read about this, this tax collector by the name of Levi that was a thief, you know. We read about this demon-possessed man and all these notorious sinners. And they come to faith in Christ. And they become not just followers of Jesus. They become fishers of men. Because followers fish if they're really a follower They couldn't stop themselves. Jesus Christ has so transformed and changed their life that they just had to talk about him. They had to share him and declare who he was because followers fish if they're really following. And to follow Jesus means to fish. And that simple gospel message of Christ has been shared from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to now 2,000 years later, halfway around the globe, you and I, most of us here this morning, would call and consider ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ. All because followers fish if they're really following To follow Jesus means to fish. 
Now notice Peter and Andrew's response to this challenge, this call of Jesus to follow him. Look at verse 18. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. I don't know about you, when I read that just by itself, kind of sounds a little strange to me, kind of a little hocus-pocus, you know. I mean, Jesus just shows up on the scene. He says, follow me, and, become, and they just leave everything. They leave the family business. They leave dad and mom, and they just take off and go after Jesus. Doesn't it sound like a little strange to you? Well, you need to kind of understand the context. The context was in, in the Gospel of John. John talks about how Jesus came through this Galilean fishing village about a year or so earlier, and probably at that time that Peter and Andrew became followers of Christ. They just didn't leave their fishing business, but they, they put their faith in Christ. And then we're told, I think it is in uh, Luke chapter 5, I want to write it down, Luke chapter 5, verse uh, 1 through 11. Uh, Luke kind of fills in the details of what happened right before this call. He talks about how Peter and, and Andrew and James and John, they were fishing. You remember the story? They fished all night, and they didn't catch even a minnow. And they were frustrated, and they were tired, and they were cleaning up. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks on the beach, you know, and, and Jesus says to them, hey, hey, Peter, let's go fishing. You're going to catch some fish. And Peter's thinking, what does this preacher know about fishing? I'm a professional fisherman, and you want us to go fishing in the middle of the day? Fish don't bite. You don't catch fish in the middle of the day. They, they eat at night, you know. I mean, I mean, what are you thinking? All we're going to catch is a sunburn. But Jesus, since you said it, we'll do it. So Peter backs up a little bit, throws out his nets. You know how the story goes. And all of a sudden, his net is full of fish. And he's trying to get all this fish in the boat. And he calls Andrew and, and James and John to help, you know. And, and their boats are sinking and they have to call Sito to help get their boats back to the dock because they've got so many fish. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. I mean, they were blown away. Now it makes better sense, doesn't it? I mean, they were just shocked, shocked enough to make a radical change. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And I need to drop my nets and follow Jesus. And you need to drop your nets and follow Jesus. You see, fishing for fish is fun, but fishing for men, fishing for people, fishing for wayward teens, fishing for little boys and little girls every week in Discovery Land, man, I mean, that's the real deal. Now, some of you are probably thinking right about now, you know, I didn't sign up for this. I don't like salespeople. I don't like being sold. I don't like talking to people I don't know. I don't even like people that much. I just kind of like to come to church and mind my own business. I don't want to be one of those religious kooks, you know, with rainbow hair holding up John 3, 16. We're going to talk about that next week. Um, we're not going to be encouraging anyone to do it, by the way. Um, so, but whatever, you have to come back and see. Um, you know, I just want to come to church. See, the truth of it is, if we're really honest and vulnerable this morning, most of us become followers of Jesus Christ for selfish, self-centered, self-serving reasons. I mean, think about that. You know, when I was a little tyke, my, my mom and dad, my parents, uh, they, they explained to me that when you died, you went to one of two places. Either you went to heaven, which is good, or you go to hell, which is bad. You know, and it, it really wasn't that hard of a decision. It was a pretty easy decision. Sign me up. What do I got to do? You know, snap my heels together three times. I'm in. You know, I, I, I believe. 
I became a Christ follower for purely a selfish motive. I didn't want to go to hell. And many of you probably became a Christ follower because you didn't want to go to hell either. Or maybe you're having a struggle in your marriage relationships and you needed some help and you called out to God and called out to Christ to help you. Or, or maybe financially you were in deep weeds, you know. Or maybe you had an addiction or a hang-up. Or, or maybe you just were being successful, man. You were just killing it in the marketplace and, and, and you began to, you know, wanted God to help you more. You probably became a follower of Christ for a self-serving reason. And now you're on the stringer. <laughs> you're on the stringer. And you're finding out that God had other things in mind. That followers fish if they're really following. And now you need to drop your nets and begin to live your life for the eternal. You need to begin to live your life for what matters most. And it's called fish. It's called people. People. You need to begin to live your life with God's perspective, with an eternal perspective. And let's be honest. Some of us have been Christ followers for years, and man, our prayers still can be pretty selfish, you know? It's like, give me, give me, give me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Bless me with your favor, Lord. You know, expand my territory. Give me a better job. Protect me. I need this. I need that. My kids need this. My, 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 my wife needs this, you know? Help my marriage, you know? Get me a better boyfriend. Get me a new girlfriend, you know? Change my husband. Just give me a new husband, you know? I mean, it, it's usually kind of like, bless me, bless me, bless me. Give me, give me, give me. And that's not necessarily wrong, and please don't misunderstand or read into what I'm trying to say, but I'm just so amazed that God is, as our loving Heavenly Father, He's so patient with our selfish little prayers because we really think it's all about me and it's all about us, and we live for our purpose rather than, than getting it and living for His purpose. And we wonder why we don't have greater purpose in our life because we're just living for the here and now. We're not living for what matters most. We're missing it. And yes, God cares. And yes, God answers our prayers. And, and there's nothing wrong with asking. He's a loving Heavenly Father. And just so you know, you know, most of us that become Christ followers, for those of you here today, and, and you're not one of those, and you've now decided you never want to become one, um, but just, just, just understand that, you know, we follow Christ because we, we want to. And, and we like to, and there's a lot of advantages, and, and, and we love it. We like being a Christ follower. But if we're honest, most of us have become Christians for what Christ does for us, not because of what I get to do for Him. Peter and Andrew... James and John, they dropped their nets. They abandoned it all for the sake of the call. They began to live for the eternal. And each, every one of us, we need to drop our nets and quit living so much for our needs and our wants. We need to start living for what matters most, the souls of people, because they last for all eternity. You see, God is so much more concerned about the eternal than the here and now. God is more concerned about the eternal souls of people than just my happiness and His favor in my life. Followers fish if they're really following. Jesus says, I want to make you fishers of men. 
I want to help you to learn to start living for what really matters the most. I'm here because there is a God in heaven that loves people desperately, and he sent me here to die on a cross because he loves them so much. And I need you to go and to fish and to fish because eternity's in the balance. You see, God wants to use my unique life and experiences to mend broken nets. And God wants to use your unique life and experiences to mend broken nets, to mend broken lives. Look at verse 19. And going on further, he, who's he? Jesus. Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and and John, his brother, who were in their boat. And what were they doing? They were mending the nets. You know, we sometimes think that the best fishermen are the, are the paid professionals like Peter and Andrew and James and John. We often, when it comes to going fishing, we think, send Dr. Ray. You know, we think the best ones to fish are the paid professionals, you know. You know, it's, it's the pastors, it's the preachers, it's the evangelists. Some of you are thinking, I'm no Billy Graham, I'm no Bill Hybels, I'm no Andy Stanley. I want to tell you something, I'm not either. But God longs to use ordinary people just like you to do extraordinary things in the lives of broken people. God wants to use you and your life to share the gospel with others. And let's be honest, you know, we're all broken people. We're all broken we all fallen and have failed and have hurt people and done things and made bad choices in life. We're all broken people, and we reach out and help others, not because we got our act together, not because we're better than them, not because we have something, you know, that they, they have to have. We reach out to people because Christ is the hope. He is the hope of the world. He is the message that they so desperately need. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about Christ. And we share Christ with the spirit of humility. We share Christ with the spirit of brokenness because we're all broken people. And we just try to point people to Christ. But what I've discovered is because of our brokenness, because of our past, we often think that the net fits better in someone else's hand. Because of our brokenness, we often think that the pole, the fishing pole, fits better in in Dr. Ray's hand. We think, I can't fish. I'm not smart enough. I, I don't know enough. Somebody else should do it. God has perfectly positioned you to fish for someone else that no one else can fish for. Followers fish if they're really following. To follow Jesus means to fish. You see, God wants to use my story and your story for his glory. Look at verse 20. And immediately he, Jesus, called them, uh, James and John, and, and he called them the same calling, called them to become fishers of men. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants, and he followed him. I mean, here's dad. He's in the boat, and dad sees this incredible miracle, and he's saying, hey, sons, listen, go. Go with that guy. 
I mean, you know, and James and John, think about it again. They became followers probably for selfish reasons. I mean, Jesus just filled up their boat with fish. They just fished for an hour, you know, or 30 minutes. They called us fish. They fished all night, caught nothing. They were following initially for a selfish reason. But you know what? If you follow Jesus long enough, he's going to call you beyond what have I done for you lately? <laughs> he's going to call you to become fishers of men. Because followers fish if they're really following. To follow Jesus means to fish. His agenda for them is his agenda for us. God wants us to, to take you know, all this stuff in our life and to leverage it and to use it. To use our story and our experiences for his glory. You know, our birth and our death and all this stuff in between that we're so worried about. You know, give me, give me, give me, bless me, bless me, bless me. All this stuff, that's not bad. It's not wrong. Please don't miss my heart. But God wants to take all this insignificant, menial stuff that really doesn't last in the scope of eternity. And he wants to leverage it. He wants to use it for his good, for his purposes. See, please get this, because the nation of Israel missed this. God blesses us so that we will be a blessing to others. It's not about bless me, bless me, bless me, give me, give me, give me, give me your favor, expand my territory. It's not for me. It's for the purpose of God. The nation of Israel, you know, God told them, hey, I'm going to bless you as a nation to be a blessing. And they kind of got lost in the blessing. Just like the church today is often kind of getting lost in the blessing. It's all about me praying for God's favor. Da, 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 and it goes. God wants to bless you. He does. He's a gracious, giving God. But he wants to bless you with the purpose so that God and you will use your life and all your stuff to be a blessing for others. I mean, I mean God has this supernatural ability to take Get this, your, your pain, your struggles, your problems. And he wants to use it for his glory, for the benefit of others, to mend broken nets. Some of you are here this morning, you know, and you're asking yourself all the time, why am I going through all this CRAP, you know? Why me? You see, our story positions us to be expert anglers. You get that? I mean, drug addicts relate best to recovered drug addicts. Single parents relate best to other single parents. Successful people relate best to other successful people. Fishermen relate best to other fishermen. Athletes relate best to other athletes. Businessmen and women relate best to other businessmen and women. God wants to use you and your unique story and your unique experiences. God even wants to use your pain and your failure. He wants to bring good out of it for his glory. He wants to use your life to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Now, I have this question for you. I want you to think about this. Maybe think about it this week. Who fished for you? Who fished for you? We were all fish once. Who fished for you? You know, God perfectly positioned someone in your life to fish for you. Was it a friend? Was it a coworker? 
Was it a spouse, a parent, a loved one, a neighbor? Someone shared God's story, the gospel, with you. Who fished for you? And maybe a bigger question that we need to answer over the course of the next couple weeks is who do you need to be fishing for? Who has God perfectly positioned in your life that only you can fish for them? Followers fish if they're really following. To follow Jesus means to fish. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Maybe this morning you need to make the decision to follow Jesus. You need to repent and believe the gospel. I invite you to do that right now. I want to fish for you. Right now, maybe you can just say, you know, God, I've been on this path. I've been on this thought. It's all been about me. I've sinned. I want to turn from that, and I believe. I believe that you died, that you were God's son, that you died for me, and I invite you to come into my life, to change my life. I accept your invitation to follow you. Others of us this morning, we need to drop our nets and follow Jesus. Maybe right now you need to pray and say, you know, God, I've been kind of consumed with my stuff. Nothing wrong with stuff. I've been consumed with bless me, bless me, bless me. God, help me to begin to live with the eternal in mind. Help me to begin to live for what matters most, which is the eternal souls of people. Can you pray this morning? God, use me. God, use me. Use my broken life. Use my broken life to help mend the broken lives of others. God wants to use you. We just got to be willing to fish. God wants to use your story for his glory. And can you take 30 seconds right now and just thank God for those who fished for you? Can you say, God, I thank you? And you say that name. God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for my parents, how they fished for me. I'm so grateful, like guys like Bob Cook, my Discovery Land, my Sunday school teacher that, that fished for me, that took an interest in me. God, I'm so grateful as I got into high school and I was kind of getting away and some of the student workers and think of a guy by the name of Jim Matro and how he fished for me. He wound me back in. God, I, I thank you so much for strategic people in my life that you use to help me to follow you. And God, I pray now that I will fish, that I will be a fisher of men. God, help me, help everyone here this morning to go fish because followers fish if they're really following. To follow Jesus means to fish. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.